from Relay FM. This is Connected, episode 347. And today's show is brought to you by Memberful, Pingdom, and ExpressVPN. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I am joined by Federico Fatici. Hi, Federico. Hello, I'm Mike Hurley. Hello, Mike Hurley. <laughs> and everyone's confused. No Stephen today. Uh, if you have the regular version of Connected, I think he's going to be showing up in the ads. Uh, if you don't want to hear Stephen, go to getconnectedpro.co and you can sign up for Connected Pro and you won't have to hear Stephen or ads. That is the <laughs> strangest upsell. <laughs> that is the strangest upsell that I've heard from Connected know. Pro so far. I just far. went down that route. It, it felt good at the time, so I stuck with it. We do have some follow-up. Uh, All right. Apple has attempted to clarify <laughs> support for <laughs> Apple Lossless um, and which devices will work and how they'll work. Uh, I feel like I understand it less. Are you able to provide any more details? Well, the this is the kind of support document where it, it kind of goes like this. So people have a question. So will high-res lossless and lossless be supported on iOS devices uh, without, or like will it be supported on HomePod? And Apple was pretty much yes. <laughs> like this support document is more confusing, like confuses things more than before. I don't know. I feel like it's like, you know, I do this sometimes when you will say something and you put a question mark, but in brackets, like in parentheses, that's kind of how it feels. Like, I mean, it's kind of like, yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> like maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Like where there are so many answers, so you just go, yes. <laughs> 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 this is pretty much what this document does. Right, my, my favorite. So like uh, John uh, kind of summarized some of this in Mac stories and he pulled in a block quote, which I just love this, where it's, Regarding the lightning to 3.5 millimeter cable for the AirPods Max, like, will that support it, right? Like, if you plugged your mm -hmm. AirPods Max in via the cable, and it says, the lightning to 3.5 millimeter audio cable was designed to allow AirPods Max to connect to analog sources for listening to movies and music. AirPods Max can be connected to devices playing lossless and high-res lossless recordings and ex with exceptional audio quality. <laughs> However, <Sure>. given the <laughs> analog to digital conversion in the cable, the playback will not be completely lossless so right. what does it mean then it am i gonna get anything better or no or what like well know. you're gonna get the you're gonna get the kind of quality that uh, whatever kind of bit rate uh the built-in DAC inside of a lightning cable does like but they don't say what, what that is though. no they don't i don't believe they've ever actually documented in public the kind of DAC that they're using mm -hmm. inside of the lightning cable i think uh, someone did a like a teardown of the connector in the cable. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we can find something on the internet. Still, so the basic rundown of all this is the AirPods Max, they will not support native lossless and high-res lossless even if you connect the cable. Mm -hmm. um, Apple devices will be able to play lossless using the built-in speakers and wired connections. If you connect AirPods or other wireless headphones made by Apple or made by others, uh, they will use Bluetooth, so it'll be lossy. iOS devices will not support, and Macs also, they will not support high-res lossless. So in that case, Apple recommends using an external USB DAC. But the HomePod and HomePod Mini, they will be updated at some point in the future to natively support lossless playback. Now, this is confusing because they say... Uh, 
in a future software update, lossless playback will be supported on HomePod and HomePod Mini. They don't actually like specifically say a software update will add support for lossless and high-res lossless or just one of them. I believe they just say lossless playback. So uh, again, the not entirely clear what that means. I assume, so this is now we're entering um, speculation territory. I assume there's going to be some changes around all of this at WWDC. I think we're being sandbagged right now. Yeah, hence why Apple is not being being entirely not honest. Being very forthcoming with all of yeah. this stuff. I was like, I I kind of want to tell you, but I cannot. <laughs> that you is know, like the f- we've been talking about this so much that like the other day, my brain just started like kind of like moving the word lossless around a bunch. Like I was just like poking it at my in my brain, and like the word lossless. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't anymore. really make any you're, sense because it just means you'll <laughs> lose less. You're so, suffering from semantic sati- yeah, satiation. Is yeah, that what it's called? I, I was like, hang on a minute. This lossless, is me- lossless. So it's lost. It's lost less, <laughs> less lost then. It's, it's not completely <laughs> lost. And then it's like lossy. And it's like I really just went off on one a little bit and then that was gone. I, I lost a few minutes to that the other day. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's very confusing. Uh, look, I think Apple is trying to document whatever is going on here at the best of, of their abilities right now, just two weeks before WWDC, where I have a feeling that things will start to get more clear in the next software update. Because if like if these are the limitations that we will have to deal with for the next couple of years. This is confusing. This is really too bad. And I do not believe that. I think something will have to give here. Either iOS devices, like physically speaking, the iPhone, for example, the next iPhone will support high-res losses, for example, or the AirPods will gain a different Mm -hmm. chip, or Apple is going to do something in the wireless department. And I believe we are going to talk about this later also regarding some ideas Mm -hmm. uh, that i have so we'll see we'll see but like i i also tweeted about this a few days ago i wouldn't be surprised if apple isn't saying the like if this support document looks confusing right now because there's a airplay 3 coming at wwdc like Mm. the more i think about it the more it's it's the only theory that really makes sense for, for a bunch of reasons um one of them being, if Apple wants to add new, what's it called, Wi-Fi radios, uh, like new Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi-based features to an existing product like mm-hmm. AirPods, they would have to get like an FCC certification in the United States. I think they have to do that in Europe too. There's like the Eurasian Commission or whatever. Whereas basically the idea is if you do it in software and you use uh, AirPlay and you come up with a Bluetooth version of AirPlay that somehow maybe using the H1 chip can accommodate a larger bandwidth than would be allowed with standard, you know, SBC or AAC, whatever Apple uses maybe that could be an idea. So a brand new version of AirPlay, let's call it AirPlay 3, that can switch over to Bluetooth for this kind of lossless playback. Now, and again, we need to simplify this conversation if we want to have an audience that listens to this episode. Um, yeah. 
the idea is that Apple needs to come up, if they do this, if this theory is correct, and there's an excellent article that I uh, tweeted a few days ago that we can link in the show notes. But if Apple can come up with a sort of a new version of AirPlay that can also work over Bluetooth, and that can, and if they can figure out ways around Bluetooth's own like lossy behavior, and maybe say, well, we're using Bluetooth, but thanks to the H1 chip, we can you know work around compression and things like that. That could be interesting because it could mean all AirPods will be updated to AirPlay 3, and now over AirPlay 3, you can listen to, you know, at the very least, like the lossless tier in Apple Music without compression. That could be interesting. I don't know if it's technically possible. I'm not an audio engineer, but obviously the the, the thing like the, the same problem remains. Even if they do this, do you really want to listen to lossless music with AirPods? I mean, you can, and I think a lot of people are are you know getting stuck on this point of well, but I need to know that it's technically possible. And even if they make it technically possible, you still don't probably don't want to use AirPods or AirPods Pro for that kind of lossless playback. Now, AirPods Max are a different discussion, obviously, like with those kinds of headphones, sure. But we'll see. I do believe that there has to be a part of the story that we're not getting so far, and we're not getting it because it's too soon. And I gotta believe it has to be something AirPlay and Bluetooth related, because I, the more I think about it, the more I struggle to come up with any other explanation. And maybe the, maybe there is no explanation, which would be my, my other conclusion. There is no explanation. It is what it is. These are the limitations. Maybe it's as simple as that. But I don't know. I like to dream. You mentioned WWDC. We are two weeks away, and Apple have released the schedule for WWDC. There isn't really anything... Um, particularly interesting in, in the sense of like anything big and new and bold about this WWDC. Uh, I think one of the things that is different to previous years is they are going to be having a video presentation of the Apple Design Awards, which is something yes. Apple used to do and then stopped doing. They're going to have some guest speakers this time, which is something that's always been at WWDC but wasn't at last year's. Uh, they've detailed there'll be 200 in-depth sessions and then a bunch of one-on-one labs. And they've cr- they created these things called pavilions this year where they're collecting up collections of different things um, and like videos and tools and stuff around certain topics. Yeah, there's and as you would have imagined, it's 10 a.m. on June 7th Pacific time for the keynote. So. Mm. But that does mean that next week we're doing the rookies again. Oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> we're doing it. I today opened my task manager mm. and had to, I was kind of like just poking through the next couple of weeks and realized that I'd set my task for the rookies for the wrong week. I'd set it for uh-huh. next week, right? To like start preparing for the rookies next Thursday. And that would have been bad for me because we yes. would have already recorded them by then. So I oh. moved it to <laughs> this Thursday. I've been preparing, all right. I designed a whole system, obviously. Mm-hmm. You will not be surprised in Obsidian just for WWDC. Oh, my God. I, okay. <laughs> it's funny because I was listening to to the latest episode of Cortex where you try to explain to Gray what I'm doing in Obsidian. And Gray is like, yeah, that's basically org mode. And you're like, what are you saying? Yes, yeah, Mike. That is, was when he lost me again, org mode. I just can't. <laughs> and I don't want to. I, he keeps bringing it up and I hate it. <laughs> but I... So I created like a... I call it a WWDC dashboard, which Mm -hmm. is like this, it's basically like a fancy note Mm -hmm. that has a bunch of links to other places. One of those places is WWDC predictions. 
So I've been working on those. Um, I created like this nice button that lets me save something that I hear at WWDC real quick. It's all very nice. It's a nice workspace that I put together. And I have a long list of predictions. Now, mm-hmm. I feel overprepared for this one. And so I will oh, you're gonna, have You're going to overthink it. That's the problem. That's the problem. So I kind of want to stop looking at it. And I want to follow my heart and my passion. I don't want to like overstructure the whole thing. So I'm just going to go with what I feel is right. You know? Mm-hmm. But hypervisor for sure, I'm going to mention Oh yeah, that. of course, everyone. I mean, it, you're just going to have to really rush for hypervisor because everyone's going to want to pick that. It's lucky that Dri- you get to pick driver first. Kit, driver, driver kit, driver kit, hypervisor. All yeah, of you're lucky things. you're the reigning champion so you get to pick first because otherwise me or Steven would have definitely taken one of those picks oh, from you. Oh, that is true. Speaking of Steven, he might not be here today, but he did make a really good YouTube video comparing the orange iMac G3 to the new 24-inch iMac in orange. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes to it. You should go and watch it. It's a very beautiful video, and it's funny. So that's two big ticks in the boxes there. I did something today. So I also have an iMac. Um, I, I have a review unit from Apple that I've had for, I don't know, nearly a week now. And I did a big review of it on Upgrade. So if you want to hear my thoughts about my lovely little yellow iMac that I'm talking to you on right now, Federico, uh, people can go and listen to uh, episode 354 of Upgrade. Sitting at this desk today, I was kind of, I was looking at it. because what I had on here before was my Mac Mini and a monitor, a Dell monitor on a VESA arm. Mm. And one thing, which is quite funny because the, iMac isn't high enough. I've, it's on top of my Mac Minis. <laughs> my Mac Mini is holding. It's kind of sad, really, for the Mac Mini that it is holding up. Oh, comp- it's like potential replacement, or at least it's temporary replacement. And so I had moved my monitor out of the way, right? Because it's on an arm, I could just swing it out of the way. So I got it out of the way at the desk, and I thought to myself, maybe it would be interesting to bring this monitor back into the equation. Mm-hmm. So I set up today my Dell monitor. It is at 90 degrees, so it's like in portrait orientation. Okay. And I've got it next to my iMac. So I now have a second monitor, and on that monitor right now is just all the recording tools. So Audio Hijack's there, Zoom's there, and Skype's there. So it's just like just the apps that I use to record just going to live permanently on that screen so if i was moving from desk like space to space on the on the imac i can always see that everything's recording i can see all the stuff moving i can check the time codes if i need to make a little edit note or something like i've got all of that there it's intriguing now what i will say Mm. is that mac os's support for external monitors is actually i don't think as good as it could be it's like we're complaining about (laughs) the ipad So Not like, even on the Mac? Even oh, no. on the Mac. So here's something I had, right? I have my, my dock on the left, and I wanted to put this monitor on the left. So that meant that my dock would only exist on the left monitor. I couldn't get Ooh. it to show. And it's not what I wanted, because then my monitor's all the way, my dock is all the way over here. Right. And it's on this, it goes all the way up the length of this portrait display, which is quite large. So to make this work the way that I, because I want to have my dock on my iMac. So now I've moved my dock to the right side. So I have the dock on the iMac. And so you can specify where you want, like what you want the dominant display to be. Right. But that doesn't change where the dock goes if you have it 
on the side of where you're putting one of the monitors. Mm. And I was doing a bunch of searching and I found a load of crappy articles that all said that they could help me and none of them could help me. You know, like when you have one of these computer problems and you just find a bunch yeah, of... Yeah, they're never true. Yeah, it's never, no, no, it's all just garbage. Um, and so, yeah, I was just a little bit frustrated about that. I don't know why I can't say, like, put as many monitors as I want in whatever arrangement I want, but my dock should go here. And it doesn't right. do that. And I find that to be quite strange. Um, so that I found that to be a, an annoyance. But yeah, I'm trying this out as a little experiment. I have no idea if I'm going to keep it. But I think I, I think I like it because I feel like my audio hijack windows are always obscured by something. And I don't want them to be. Because I like to have them. I like to see that the dials are moving and all that stuff, right? And like that I can just at a glance confirm that everything's still recording and all that kind of stuff. And mm. so I, I actually think I kind of like having them off on the side here. So I don't know what this means for me going into the future, but as of right now, I think I might be a multi-monitor person. Okay. I have some questions. Yep. I kind of want to understand how do you deal with windowing on the Mac, particularly in the context of you for a long time worked on the iPad Pro as mm -hmm. your primary computer. Mm -hmm. Then you went back to Mac OS. So... Now that it's been a few months now, how do you deal with managing Windows? How many do you open? Um, how strongly do you feel about, like, are you that kind of, like, are you really particular about the placement of your Windows or do you just don't care? I'm not particularly particular. Mm. I have like a, a rough idea of where I want my windows to be, but they're all overlapping and stuff because okay. I don't like any of these like snapping Oh, tools. you don't? No, I don't. Because I like, on the Mac, I like to have lots of apps open. I have lots of apps mm. open. So on one, I have two spaces right now, ignoring the, mon the, the external monitor. On the space that I'm looking at right now, there's four apps, which is Discord and Overcast and Safari. I also have Numbers open, but I don't know why that's open. Um, and that's just what I'm looking at when I'm recording. And then I have my other space, which has every other app that I have open. So it's got messages, mail, um, Todoist, I'm not getting into that today, Craft, Timery. Oh yeah, I'm using the Timery Mac app. It's amazing, it's coming soon. Uh, mm -hmm. Slack and Notes. And that's just kind of like, they're my main work apps. But they all kind of just overlap with each other. And that's fine. I'm a heavy mission control user and I will just click icons in the dock and stuff. I kind of give into it on the Mac because I've never been happy with any of the tools that can arrange it for you. I don't like the way that the Mac does it, you know, like with trying to do split views and stuff. You know, I know there are these apps like Moom and stuff, and I don't like any of those. Hmm. So I'm kind of just like, Bleh, just put them everywhere, right? <laughs> and I'll just work it out. And like I move apps around a lot on my display uh -huh. like throughout the day so i'm just kind of like whatever they just go where they go i'm I, I, because my my personal preference is for is the way that the ipad allows focus now as i said before i want to have more than just two apps and a slide over app right none of you said that like that's what i would like but i i i find that that doesn't None of those like kind of hey it goes here, hey it goes there, hey it goes here type of applications on the Mac don't work for me. I just have everything open and it just goes wherever and it all overlaps and I embrace the messiness of it and try not to pay attention to it. Okay, so I I guess you're not using any automation utilities, any shortcuts like keyboard maestro, those like sort of no, made I'm, utilities. I'm actually. Uh, 
spoilers for later on. I want to talk about this kind of stuff in our um, one feature each section today about mm. kind of like automation on the Mac. Okay. Um, it's not really a world that I've gone into yet because I'm hoping for other things. But okay. I know that all these things exist and I could have, like, you know, I see all the cool kids have their stream decks now, right? And they set up all their windows to open and they all Why go to the right is that? places. What's it? What is the deal with Stream Deck? What's the deal um, with someone? I don't know who started this. Uh, it may have been Rosemary Orchard, but I know that like everyone's getting them now, right? And they're setting up Keyboard Maestro. Like they just press a button, and then like seven apps open, and they all go to the right places. And this is just a thing that everyone seems to be doing now. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. Um, somebody mentioned it in the Discord. Um, John. The one true John one true had John. really had a really nice tip in the latest issue of Mac Stories Weekly about um, rearranging Windows on the Mac using the native Apple um, provided solution. And spoiler, it involves pressing the option button, <laughs> and you get a much better behavior if you just do this secret and invisible thing that nobody can discover on their own. The feature to move Windows gets much much better than the default because I. I don't know about you, Mike, but I really fundamentally despise the macOS split view that it yeah, takes hey, you yeah. into. Like, why? Why is that? Why is that so confusing? And I think it's kind of funny that sort of at a higher level, I don't think Apple has f fully figured out multitasking anywhere. <laughs> that would be my statement, right? Because you have some things that are excellent on the Mac, and then you have some other things on the Mac and you just look at them like split view and managing desktops and you're like, whoa, who thought of this? This is such a bad idea. And then you look at iPadOS and obviously it's got many problems, right? Like many, many problems. But then you realize, well, you know, some things are actually simple though. Like it's nice that there's no confusion as to like, I see two apps at the same time, but I can always go back to the home screen. Like, there's some things that are nicer on the iPad than others that are nicer on the Mac, but there is no fully sort of cohesive, unifying vision for multitasking. No. Maybe well, there doesn't have what, to be. Here's, here's my kind of view on multitasking. It was done in a certain way on the Mac and it made sense. Then it got mm. out of hand. Then Apple yeah. tried to make it with the iPad and they, they didn't do enough. It's too simple. So now we have two ways of like managing multiple apps, Windows, whatever, and they're on the exact ends of a spectrum. And there is a middle ground. And you, I think you were talking about this on App Stories where like do for multitasking what you did with the cursor on iPadOS, yes. right? Yes. Like it's the same idea, but it is done more gracefully and with more modern features and of like yes. the OS being aware of the interface more. Do that. And like, so my, my like hope for multitasking on the iPad is that it might help inform a newer direction or at least a new option for how to manage this kind of stuff in a more visually appealing way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So multi-monitor mic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. We'll how see. long is it going to be before you got a Pro Display XDR? Oh, I have no desire for one of those. I mean, I'm just holding out for... Well, because I don't even know what my computers are going to be in the future, right? Like, I have no for idea right now. consumer display... Maybe you're waiting for a consumer display made by Apple. Or an like iMac. Or an iMac. Mm. So we will take a break here. Just Steven's going to put all the ads in. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Memberful. 
Memberful is the easiest way to sell your memberships online, used by the biggest creators on the web. It can help you generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream. You've probably heard us talking about the Relay FM membership program, but what you might not know is that we use Memberful for our program. It's the platform that we chose to build our membership on. They make it super easy for us to generate that revenue stream and deliver bonus content to our members. When we first signed up for Memberful, our goal was to have something that was easy to use, integrated with a newsletter and a couple of other things. But as the program grew and as last year, as we launched extra podcast content over RSS, Memberful has just been a great partner in all of those changes. Their system really works well for us, and I think it'll work great for you too. If you're already producing content and relying on advertising or other means of income, Memberful makes it easy to diversify that income with everything you need to run a membership program, including custom branding, gift subscriptions, Apple Pay support, free trials, private podcasts, and tons more, while leaving you with full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, your brand, and your membership. If you're a content creator, Memberful can help you monetize your passion. Get started now for free at memberful.com. There's no credit card required. That's memberful.com. Go there now and check it out. It could be the start of something really exciting. Our thanks to Memberful for their support of the show and Relay FM. So Federico, you sent me a challenge a couple of days ago. You had an idea. Would you like to tell the listeners what this idea was? Well, we, on this show Unconnected, we have been fortunate over the years because a, a bunch of really nice things happened to us, right? Um, we were featured on stage at WWDC once. Tim Cook mm-hmm. stood in front of our artwork, and that was a beautiful moment. Um, we had all sorts of adventure, adventures on the show. We did live shows with surprises. I was able to talk about my iOS reviews. We were able to interview folks at Apple. We did embargoed episodes. All kinds of nice things happened over the years. But one thing where we are extremely fortunate and privileged and lucky... (laughs) I didn't know where you were going with this, and I hate you for doing it. ...is that this is the only show where we have the TVOS guy. (laughs) Nobody else. No other tech podcast has a TVOS guy. Yeah. And we are the only ones who do. So... Michael, I thought, why not have the new Apple TV remote column, the TVOS guy review? So here we are. Uh, I actually really like this idea. It didn't cross my mind. Um, I only remember I'm the TVOS guy in like the first week of September every year. You only remember (laughs) once a year. (laughs) But yes, I am the TVOS guy. And I do have as is typical with me with these things, a surprising amount of opinions. <laughs> Obviously, see, about you are the TVOS guy. Not just the TVOS remote, but the new Apple TV. I didn't just buy the remote because I'm the TVOS guy. I need right. to have the, the bleeding edge hardware t- for testing. I've got to make sure I have the right amount of RAM just in case Apple makes multitasking on the Apple TV. Sure. So the new TV remote is chunky. Okay. It's big and it's chunky. It is, I think, surprisingly large. 
Um, I, I feel like I wasn't aware of what the dimensions of this thing was actually going to be like. And when it arrived, it was like, oh, okay. I immediately understand that you have built a remote to be nicer to hold because it's thick. It's got a curve mm-hmm. on the back, which it doesn't need to have. That's clearly so it feels comfortable in the hand. And it is very obviously significantly longer than is needed. It doesn't seem like there is a lot of additional stuff going on inside this remote that you would need to make it so much larger than the one it replaces in thickness and in length, right? Like it's, you can tell is like, there's just this, I, I just believe this has been designed to be much nicer for the sake of ergonomics, right? For people to hold in their hands, yes. It's made for yes. human hands um, as opposed to just trying to be the essence of a remote. Did they say the essence of a remote? I believe that that totally sounds like a Johnny Ive thing to say. <laughs> I mean, who knows? P- possibly, right? Do you remember the iPod Shuffle where they removed all the buttons and you could operate it via voiceover? <laughs> I do. <laughs> right. That's the Siri remote. Yes. Where they tried to take away everything and provide you with like the most perfect and simple thing. It's so thin and small. What if your remote was an idea? Yeah. <laughs> what if your remote was just a soul? You know, like, <laughs> and so that was what we got. And now they've gone back to the iPod Shuffle with a bunch of buttons on it. And it right. literally looks like the iPod Shuffle as well. Like it looks like the white one, the original iPod Shuffle. The curve on the back feels great. It's made for human hands. This is a remote made for human hands. The buttons are nice and clicky and they sound mm-hmm. good. I think that there's, because I believe there's some air inside, like it is hollow inside, right? Because it's quite mm. light. So I imagine that there's some resonance when you're pressing the buttons as well as it feeling nice. So I think that they've done a good job there. Like, so it feels good. It, it, it sounds nice. Um, I don't know if you notice as well, if you look at the bottom, the, the, there's like next to the lightning port, there's two little screws. Did you see those? All right, let me grab the remote. Hold on. Okay. Okay, he's got it. So you can see at the bottom of the remote, there are two tiny screws, and there's like a seam yes. that runs around the outside. Have you opened them? No, I haven't done that. I, I, I thought about it, but then realized I would probably destroy it. And so I think basically this is just, they just put the remote in. Right, it's just a shell. They just slide the guts of the remote in there <gasps> and screw it in. And so when I looked at something like that, I was like, okay, all of this just seems to tell me that they have eschewed some of the typical things we would expect from Apple, seamless and small and light and thin, to actually make a, a better product for its intended use yeah, case. Uh, they, just make a, they just made a thick remote. And yes, I love it. Okay. I find personally that it is very natural to use either the swiping gestures or the D-pad. So the central area, which is, I can never remember if it's concave or convex, the one where it goes in, right? Not out. So it's like dips into the middle. Yeah. I don't know either. Right. And so there's, uh, it's got, that's also touch sensitive as well as the ring that goes around. So it's concave, the Discord's telling me. It's the concave button. And so this area is also touch sensitive, as is the the ring, the kind of the jog wheel that goes around the outside. And I like that I have the option, 
So I can swipe or I can click and I think it worked great. I always found swiping through the UI to actually be a nice feature. It was helpful in a lot of ways. But the problem with the previous remote is that the touch area was just too large. Mm. It occupied far too much. Of, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, right? Like, But just to add all the context for this discussion, it was just too large, which just meant that there were too many accidental touches. And sometimes if you just wanted to go over one, you know, like you're on one uh, tile, you just want to go over to the next tile, it's very easy to, to skip over. And there w it was possible to click the old remote in certain places, but it didn't always work the way that you wanted it to. Um, so I like that now I have the option to swipe or I have the D-pad buttons because the D-pad, like the old iPod, as well as being touch sensitive, you can also physically click it. And the physical clicking, you can go like just in one, like left, 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 right, 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 down, 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 that kind of thing. I think that this is really nice for if you're, say, jumping over to one episode, you're selecting the next app in the home screen. I've also found it to be much nicer for if I need to type something into the UI to use the clicking or a combination of both. You know, like if you do overshoot on a swipe now, you it's way easier to just go back by one rather than overshoot again and then overshoot again and then you finally get to where you want to be. Also with the jog wheel being touch sensitive, they've added a new way for you to seek through content. So one of the great things about the swiping was that it was really easy to just, you just click on the old remote and you can just swipe through content, right? But again, because of the way that the swiping action works, would be very easy to kind of overshoot it. But now there is the option to use your finger or your thumb to scroll around the outside of the wheel, like the jog wheel, and you get a much more precise movement. There's a little bit more inertia going on, and, it's, and it moves a little bit slower than the swipe does. And it, I think, provides for a, a nicer experience to move backwards and forwards through content. Now, I have noticed that you have to be quite intentional when you start this animation. I was very confused by this because sometimes I would doing what I thought was the swiping around to go left and right, but the Apple remote was thinking that I was swiping left and right on the touchpad. It was very confusing. Yeah, I cannot get this to work at all. Like, I don't know how to do the scrubbing. Mike Hurley, the tvOS guy, is here to help you, and I can tell you exactly what you need to do. So by default, what I do, and I just tried this now again, I put my thumb on the outer part of the yep. ring, uh, and I go in a clockwise motion. But if I do that and I'm scrubbing inside when watching a video, mm -hmm. the the scroll, what's it called? The progress bar, it yeah. just goes back and forth, like left to right. And it doesn't actually advance. Like it goes from one minute to six minutes and then it goes all the way back to one minute. Uh, it's super confusing. I, I don't get it. So I can tell you exactly what you need to do. So there is just, there's a little process. I think the process is fine once you've understood it. So the trick is, Click down in the center or pause the video with the play pause. Right. And so you get the little progress bar that comes up. Yes. Place your thumb or your finger just down for a second on the remote. Don't move it. And then you'll see the little circle pops uh, up. Oh, you and get then the you circle. Swipe. Yeah. So you have to kind of hold it down for a second and then you can start doing it. So you're switching between the two modes. And the animation why, here, I don't why know. Why two modes? Why? I don't know. I, I kind of wished that you could just choose. However, I do like that there's the combination of the two. So... What I'll tell you is now I know how to do this. I've gotten very used to this over the last couple of days. 
And it's not like the first time I did it, I was like, why did they do this? Once you kind of internalize this action, now I feel like I have a choice depending on what I want to do in either environment. So what I would suggest is sit with this for a bit, get used to it, and I think you will like that you have the option because that's kind of where I feel. But it's so confusing that it never tells you that you can do this. Yeah, so you again, I will just reiterate this. So on the remote, you click down in the middle so it pauses or you get the progress bar to come up. So you can pause or click down. You rest your thumb or your finger on the ring, like the jog wheel. And if you look at the Apple TV, if you just rest it and don't hold it, you'll see a little white circle appear over the progress bar. Yep. That's when you know that you're in kind of jog wheel mode. That's and the I'll, good mode. That's also the good mode. The good, yes. <laughs> or, AKA the good mode. And I will tell you a really yes. nice thing about this, one of these beautiful Apple details. So the white ring on the TV has a little black circle, like a little dot. That is matched to where your finger is on the wheel. So as you move your thumb around the wheel, the little black dot on the, the wheel on the TV, the white wheel on the TV, will move in one-to-one motion with you. It's very nice. nice. I'm going to give you another detail. So when, you're, when you are in good mode and you're good scrubbing mode. through mm-hmm. a video, when you go back to the moment where you pause the video, you see there's a gray dot indicator that mm-hmm. shows you the moment where you paused. Mm-hmm. When the white circle exactly overlays that moment, mean, meaning you're back where you started, yep. you will see the swipe down for info message at the top of the screen. So that also serves as a visual aid that tells you this is where you started scrubbing from. If you want to go back. If you want to resume, you actually, like when you reach the, when there's an overlap between the gray circle mm-hmm. and the white circle, you get the, it basically tells you in the UI. So going back to the D-pad itself, one of the really nice features, again, of the the original Siri remote is the ability to click left and right on the remote, and you can go forward and back by, I think it's 10 or 15 seconds. But again, this was something that was difficult to do correctly without accidentally swiping. Now with the the buttons and the clicking, this is way nicer. And stuff like this, these kinds of interactions where you can click instead of swiping, I think it's another reason why you have that slight delay before you enter the swiping kind of the good Mm. mode, as we call it. So it will allow you to click through things. Like you can just click 10, 10, 10, and you know you've moved forward or moved back without it then starting a swiping motion. So I think there's just that little affordance there to make sure that the system is, is accurately detecting what it is that you're wanting to do at that moment whether it's to use these like the jog wheel as a button or a swiping uh, indicator or a swiping area Hmm. so before you told me the tip about the good mode i and it was in my notes i kind of wished that i could disable the touch gestures altogether on the on the on the remote i do still pick up some accidental touches while handling this remote i should also say there's that like Usually when the dogs jump on the bed and the remote just flies around, that is very, you know, that usually happens, that like some accidental touches are registered and the UI does something weird. So I would probably welcome the ability to just say, just outright disable touch mode on this thing. But the thing you just shared is also very nicely done. So it kind of counterbalances that. You know, I just got a, a, an email notification just pop up on my screen that was okay. a dispatch notification for my second Apple remote. 
for my old Apple TV, which I'm bringing to the studio because I was like, oh, I'll just bring the old Apple TV and that will be fine. After just two or three days after I got used to the new remote, I was like, I can't use the old remote anymore. I must get the new one. So That's why I purchased two immediately because I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. I hadn't realized how much I wanted a dedicated power button until now. So there's a dedicated power button on the remote that you just hold down for a second and it turns everything off, which is way nicer than hold, press. Like, you know, you just have to do these multiple actions to turn yeah. everything off. Having that dedicated power button is great. And one of the good things about the, the power button, this remote, and also the mute button is if you were not having luck with HDMI CEC which is a, a mode that allows for a device to turn on and off a television, right? So you could use your Apple TV to turn on and off television control volume and stuff like that. It, this always worked for me with my televisions. I could always make this work and it was fine. But now, but this doesn't always work. And even if you have a TV that says that it will work, but you know, right? so they have now added an infrared uh, transmitter to the Apple remote, which is why it's got that kind of see-through section, like the dark see-through section. And mm-hmm. all of these dedicated buttons can be programmed to work with your television so you can then control remote, the, the, the yeah. volume and turn it on and off and stuff like that. What a concept, right? A power mm-hmm. button, an infrared sensor. It's a, it's almost like they finally listened to the long tradition of TV remotes. And, uh, you know, this is good. It's good when, when Apple, they will never say they, they were wrong about something. Obviously, this is not what Apple does. Even if you ask them, what do you think of the Siri remote? Oh, the Siri remote is great. But the new one is even better. <laughs> they never say that something, <laughs> you know, was. they will never, obviously, I mean, they're a company. They will never say, you know what, that actually sucked. You're right. It was terrible. They will never say that. But it's nice when you can clearly see, oh, you, you understand now where the problem was. And you fixed it. The Flying Beagle has shared in the Discord. Um, it is actually possible to disable the touch surface on the new remote. Wait, what? If you go to settings on the Apple TV, go to remote and devices, and then click pad, you can select click and touch to allow both clicking and touch surface tracking, or select click only to turn off touch surface tracking. Hold on. Let's I see. don't recommend this because what that's going to do settings. is it's it's going to turn off the good mode for you, right? Because it's going to rem- it's going to disable touch. I-, I don't think this is the right way to go. I think it is possible to get used to the new one. But if you do just want to use this remote as just up, down, left, right, and center, you can do that. That is tempting. But I wouldn't recommend it because I th- I genuinely think one of the best features of the Apple TV is how smoothly you can scroll through things. But and I, how I, often am I really scrolling through things? Me? All the time. Because really? Why? we're watching The Wire right now, and The Wire's intro I mean, is like four and a half minutes long. And I don't want to watch it every time. I'm not one of those people. I can only watch that song so many times. So, so uh, there's people that really get upset about skipping the intros, right? Yeah. It's a whole yeah. thing? Yeah, it's a whole yeah, thing. Okay. Okay. But if I'm binging a television show, if I'm watching three episodes in a day, I don't need to see it three times. I just mm. don't, right? So, you know, like I like to be able to scroll through for stuff like that. And I do like to be able to go backwards and forwards through content if there's something I wanted to catch again or whatever. I like to be able to have that uh, precision. And I do find that the new, the good mode provides for greater precision. That's a good point. Going back to the dedicated buttons, I love having a mute button now too. That's great. Yes. But I have a question that I f- cannot understand. They put the mute button in the same location as the play pause button was on the old remote. 
Okay. And I don't know why they did that. Because the play pause button was bottom left. Now the play pause button is above bottom left, where mute is bottom left. So at the moment, I keep muting things all the time. And I'm not sure exactly why they did this. Well, I have a conspiracy theory. I would love to hear it. That's because they never want you to stop watching. They just want you to put it, <laughs> put it quiet, never stop. So I don't know why they did this. I, I feel like they could have added the mute button in above the play pause button and kept it in the same place. But again, I will get used to this, of course. But it's just an interesting thing. Like I'm not sure why you would do that. So in conclusion, I have more to say about the Apple TV, but in conclusion to the remote, I think this remote is perfect for the Apple TV now. To the point where it is incredible to me to think that the same company made both of these remotes. Hmm. Like it really is because the Apple TV, the Siri remote, the original Siri remote, had some interesting concepts going on, but it seemed to be purposefully going against typical remote design. Where this version... That's a very elegant way to put it. <laughs> this version is doing the opposite of that, where it is working within the conventions of what a typical remote could be and should be and adding in some functionality. Like, it really is intriguing to me that this was done. And again, we spoke about this. I don't like to play this game too much, but it this also feels like the potential of a significant changeover in industrial design at Apple. Hmm that you would go in such a harsh like left turn. Well, until you see MacBooks with ports, including HDMI. <laughs> I know. No, but even then, though, right? Like, the thing about this remote is it wasn't fit for purpose, and they kept it for such a long time. Yeah. So I think it wasn't like, oh, we know we effed up here. Let's change this. So you don't think this is an apology remote? No, because they would have done that ages ago. Hmm. I, I my feeling is this is a remote designed after a change of direction for like a change of direction in industrial design. Like it's a broader thing. Yeah, it's not just the remote. Yeah, I get. And it. I think we're seeing that in other places, right? But uh, you know, and again, it's like if you see the removal of the touch bar, the addition of ports on MacBook Pros, even this iMac that I'm talking to you on now. The iMac, I mean, look at that. It's like the ultimate proof. <laughs> it's very, very different. Yeah. And whilst it does things like thin and light, right, which is what Apple loves, but there's just so much that is different just from the visual of this machine. So I really love the remote, and, and I, I really recommend people stick with it if, if they're confused about it or they're not 100% sure of it. I really recommend sticking with it. I am quite a heavy Apple TV user. All of my media content is consumed on the Apple yeah. TV. Same, yes. So, you know, may, you know, if you're wondering, like, why, well, maybe I use it more than you, maybe. I don't know. Like, not you, but, like, the listener. So I recommend sticking with it, really trying to get to grips with what it can do. I think that it is a vastly superior uh, device. Two things I would have liked to see, personally. Yep. You uh, want chip. Uh, I don't understand why this remote doesn't have one. I don't buy Apple's explanation that because it's thicker, you're less likely to lose it, uh, um, you know, in your couch or whatever. Why? Like, this is the perfect um, device for the U1 chip. I've seen people uh, uh, 3D print AirTag compatible <laughs> cases for the new remote, and it's like, oh, that shouldn't be necessary. There yeah, should be weird. the U1 chip in here. And also, why haven't we gotten a, a TV remote with haptic feedback yet? 
I feel like it would be super nice to have that extra tactile confirmation. Like when you're scrubbing, for example, right, in a video. And when, like when the little circle gets over the other circle, it would be nice to have some little haptic feedback going on there. I don't know. I just feel like it would be nice to have. It would be nice. It would be nice to have that, but mostly the U1 chip. I don't really understand. But overall, like if you if you were, I know Mike that in your long form TV reviews you don't do scoring. But if you were to score this remote, how would you grade it? I think I would go with an. Eight. Oh, and your and your TV scale goes from one to seven. Okay, one to seven. Of course it does. Then I'm going <laughs> to give this a. 5.5 out of 7. Okay. Where the the previous previous one may have gotten say a 2.5. Right. What would give it that extra the only I think this remote is great, but I haven't given it higher than 5.5 because right. you've just listed a selection of features that would make this thing even better. So I don't want to score it too high, right? Exactly. So like exactly. a, a U1 chip would be fantastic. It's perfect for this device. Uh, a haptic motor would also be really wonderful for tvOS. I feel like tvOS and haptics feel like they would go really nicely together just from a, a UI perspective. So there are things to add. Yeah, and we know that then the then the highly coveted you know seven out of seven by Mike Hurley. It's you know it's a seven out of seven TVs. You know, it's it's uh, it's, 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 a, it's a big deal. So you really stepped up your game here because there's a second chapter. It's a whole second segment. Wow. Which okay. is a review of the Apple TV. We're gonna need a table of contents here. Uh. <laughs> Just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait till you see the animations that I've got going on. Ooh, uh, I bet, I bet. Animations in a podcast, it's the perfect medium for it. <laughs> They're happening right here in front of me. It's a shame you can't yeah. see them. Yeah, I know. I got the new Apple TV. I was reminded of just how nice it is to set up an Apple TV. It is Apple's best setup experience of any of their OS platforms. All you need to do is bring your phone near it. It has way fewer screens to go through. And this home screen syncs. So not only does it download all your apps, you just put them in the right place, it's easy. Like you don't need to do this whole iCloud backup thing or whatever. It's just like, oh, hey, you want all these apps? Here you go, they're all there for you and they're in the exact place you left them. It's so simple. This is one of those features where if I were an Apple manager, I would go to the engineers and hold in an iPad and an Apple TV and be like, you see home screen sync on this thing? do it on the other thing too. <laughs> it's like, please sync my home screen on iPad. Like, let me have this setup flow on other devices too. Let's just let me sync mm -hmm. the, the thing. I love it. I love the setup of the Apple TV. It's really well done. But the new Apple TV, so I don't even know what, I, this is how I'm, this is the one thing I'm unprepared about and I feel terrible right now. I don't mm. know what this Apple TV is actually called. Right, Apple so TV 4K? It's the Apple TV 4K, but it must be some kind of version number, right? Uh, so see. let's say Apple TV 4K 2021. We'll call it that. The Apple TV 4K 2021 actually got a pretty significant new feature, which is support for eARC. I don't know what the E stands for, but ARC stands for <laughs> Audio Return Channel. Electronic. Electronic audio return channels we're going with. No, I don't know. I, I'm just guessing. No, I don't know either, but we're yeah. just choosing that. So this is a new feature for the new Apple TV. It's enhanced, enhanced audio return. Enhanced. We're yes. going with yeah. anything. Could be, I like electronic, though. Okay. So this is a new feature for the new Apple TV 
For if you also have the original HomePod paired to it for audio output. So you have to be okay. in like, we're multiple levels down, right? Okay, so okay, okay. So need... uh, new Apple TV, discontinued HomePod. Yep. Right, okay. And a television that supports eARC. Okay. So you have to have all wow. of these things. So if you have Very a television specific. that supports okay. eARC and you have the new Apple TV and you have HomePods paired to it, it is best for a HomePod pair, but you can use it for regular HomePod, you will be able to play audio from any device you have connected to your television via HDMI. Wait, what? So is any it, that, device... Yes, any device plugged into your TV, so this could be a games console or anything audio-related via HDMI, if it's plugged into your television, you can use... It's like it basically will send the audio... Through the EARC uh, HDMI, it's like through a the Apple through. TV, it's like a pass. It is a pass through. It is it's actually a pass yeah. to your HomePods. Now, this took me a little bit to set up just right because I had a bunch of settings that I needed to configure on my OG TV. Very easy to find mm. in Google, by the way. Like, but like, and and I had some weird parts where at one point it was just coming out of one of my HomePods. I actually took the time to reset my HomePods to factory settings, which is something I've been meaning to do for a while because I was having some issues with the HomePod pair connected to the Apple TV. I've been meaning to do this. I did it, and it's been working great since then. This feature is in beta. It's actually labeled as such in the Apple TV settings, and there's like this whole thing where like it needs to, like a TV goes black for a minute, and then it works, and mm. then sometimes it's like, oh, hey, uh, this didn't work. We're going to try again, and if it works, we'll let you know. Like it's very early this feature mm. but what this allows me to do is to play my playstation 5 on my tv and have the audio coming from my homepod pair behind me and it sounds amazing mm. so i've got some sound separation going on music and games sound significantly better but also gameplay does as well I believe it's doing something. It's taking advantage of surround sound output somehow, right? Because the PlayStation has support for that. The PlayStation 5 has 3D audio. I don't think um, it's doing that. So in the settings, it knew it was doing EARC in the PlayStation. Okay. And it was showing me... I couldn't change any of the settings, but I saw surround sound 7.1 as the audio output. It's like I was playing a racing game, Dirt, and I was playing uh, Spider-Man. And I could hear a little bit... Spider-Man was better. I could hear um, things happening on the left and right of me that were different, right? So, oh, nice. And I would say... I mean, look, I am not a leap first-person shooter gamer, right? But there didn't feel like there was any latency. And if there was any... I was about to ask. Okay. I'm sure this mm. is a thing, right? I'm sure that there is more latency than if you just had it coming through the TV... But it was I couldn't notice it, and I was looking for it. Now, would I recommend you play competitive Call of Duty doing this? No, probably not, because I'm sure it's going to glitch out. Sometimes it did glitch out, where like I was you know, just for like t two, two or three seconds, the sound was just coming from one HomePod, and then it corrected itself. This is a beta feature. I wouldn't recommend you do this if you're in a competition mode. But I can now play my PlayStation with vastly improved sound. This is exactly what I wanted. I've been, you know, I had complained about this for a long time when the HomePod came out originally, when I set this up as like the HomePod pair. I wanted to have everything available to me, and now I do. I would say, if you are like me, 
you have a HomePod or two HomePods, especially if you're already using your HomePod pair of your Apple TV for audio, and you have an eARC TV, this makes the new Apple TV a must-buy product for you. Huh. This doesn't work with a HomePod mini, by the way. And that's what's so hilarious to me here. This only works with the now discontinued HomePod. So I have two potential theories here. Theory number one is the tvOS team did not know that the HomePod was getting killed when they started work on this feature because why go to all this trouble? Second theory here, which is the one that I actually really subscribe to, is this is labeled as a beta, I think, because they are getting ready to make a improved product to take the HomePod's place. I think it will be something more soundbar related. I definitely think that now. And they're, you know, they have time here because this eARC stuff, I think it's hard to sell the product on this because there's so many things that have to be in place for somebody to truly be able to take advantage of it. But I think that Apple is starting to build towards a better home entertainment product that is the HomePod. And if you look at things like potentially new AirPlay and mm. <laughs> lossless and mm-hmm. then being able to listen to, you know, be able to have the sound of your PlayStation coming out of this thing, I think we are moving towards a new product that will fit this space because I genuinely don't know why you would ship this feature if it would only ever work with a product you no longer make. I don't know why you'd go through all that trouble and then why you'd ship it. It's really backwards. <laughs> like yeah. This brand new feature that is really difficult to get right. <laughs> but it's kind a- of like the best way to do a beta for this, really. It's like it is a very niche audience that can even take advantage of it if they want to. So you just get the data that you need about how this goes and it's in a small uh, sample set. But I love it. I mean, it, it works great for me. So I'm, mm. you know, it was kind of funny. I just was when I, I didn't know this feature was coming to the Apple TV. And I just bought the new Apple TV because it's like, I'll just get the new Apple TV. I, I could do with a second one because then I can bring one here to the studio. I have one at home. And now I'm really pleased that I did it because I'm now benefiting from a feature, the exact feature that I've wanted for years. So I'm really happy with that purchase. You know, if I had enough room for them, I would actually try and set up the two HomePods that I still haven't sold just for this. Although I'm not sure my TV supports eARC, so all of this is useless anyway. I'm supposed to buy a new TV first. But I don't want to buy a new TV because it's a whole thing and I don't have the patience for it. So I am just going to use my Sony PlayStation 5 headphones for 3D audio. Uh, Let me tell you. It's spooky, especially if you're playing Returnal with 3D audio. Mm. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. You know, I totally a tangent. I cannot play that game, I don't think. Like, I really love it. Oh, even you've, you fell off it now? Mm, it's, it's too... I don't know, maybe I'm not in the right mindset at the moment. It just... I need, I need calming and chilling games. Like, I can... Right now, I cannot play Returnal. It's too tense. So, I don't know. Uh, Side note of a side note, and I know that the reasons for this are very obvious, but in terms of games, the new console generation has been kind of disappointing so far. Oh, yeah. There hasn't really been anything. And I know know why that's happened, 
But I will just say, like, if you're one of these people, like One True John, who can't get a PlayStation 5... You haven't missed out on much. You haven't missed out on anything, really. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just I am going to get the new Ratchet and Clank uh, in, in a couple of weeks. That's one of the first true PlayStation 5 games, right? So, Yes. And months that these consoles have been out by that point. Yeah, but, but that's the. I feel like that's the kind of game that I need right now. You know, big, beautiful, colorful, lighthearted kind of game where you're just shooting things and you're controlling like this cute little animal. Yes, <laughs> uh, that sort of game is for me right now. I finished Spider-Man and that was great. Returnal is... But even that Spider-Man, which was great, was building on a previous game you know like that haven't yeah been... it was more like a returnal was like the first i think playstation 5 game that was made for the playstation 5 that wasn't a game somewhere else you know yeah so there just hasn't yeah. been a lot of it it's not that there hasn't been none of it but there just hasn't been a lot of it and so Mm-mm. you know it, mm-hmm. which is fine and and these consoles are around for a long time and all those games will exist eventually but it was something that i realized which is like i bought this playstation and i barely played anything on it because there just hasn't been any really haven't really been any games that have i've been that interested in but i hope i've actually i've actually been playing more on xbox because lately uh because like ps5 is great for the exclusives and those are not here yet so um yeah the xbox is also great with game pass is such an incredible deal uh so yeah i'm gonna get ratchet and clank but like don't feel bad if you were unable to get a ps5 because like it's gonna be like maybe for the holiday season plus i mean let's face it honestly we're all just waiting for the new zelda on the switch i mean come on you know so let's be real yeah in conclusion this this apple tv Mm -hmm. what's your conclusion you want my rating uh, sure. I'm going to give the Apple TV 4K 2021 a 5 out of 7, mm. which mm. is a would be a big jump, maybe from like a 3, because I'm so excited about this eARC feature. It, it really has provided me with something that I want. You know, really, though, the Apple TV itself, it, it, there's just still some fundamental flaws with the, the product, and Apple's working it out, you know, like, because I'm also including tvOS as part of this score because it's the whole package. And tvOS still lives in this weird world where Apple wanted there to be more than just streaming services, you know? And, like, you notice it that the box, right, the box for the new Apple TV it has on the back of it a bunch of uh, logos for streaming services. So on mine in the UK, it has Apple TV+, Netflix, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, Prime Video, and Disney+, and says, home to all of your entertainment. Do you know what it doesn't say? So many games. doesn't say that on there. <laughs> so many apps. You can't wait to shop, right? Like, And so I, I, and I, I think I said this in my tvOS review last year, that it felt like Apple was truly starting to accept the fact that what this device is for is streaming video. That's yeah. what it's for. And they want it to be something more, but it isn't. And I feel like Apple understood this with the Apple Watch way earlier and lent further into what people were using the Apple Watch for, then I feel like Apple have leaned into what people are using the Apple TV for. And I hope that they continue to. And I'm looking forward to tvOS for that, to see if there's going to be anything this year that suggests that to me. And you know what else it can be? 
a thread router. Yeah. But we're going to we're going to talk about that in the future because I'm building a whole like thread setup at home. Okay. Let's talk about it next week maybe. It's All right, it's I'm intrigued. Fun. I'm intrigued about that. All right. Uh well, no, probably not next week. Next week's the Ricky's, but sometime in the future. Well, at some point in the future. Uh well, Mike, uh well done beautiful review. Thank you. The production quality has obviously gone way up Animations. compared to the animations, everything, the table of contents, like, well done, mm-hmm. well done. The new remote, the new Apple TV, 5.5 and 5 out of 7. So, positive reviews overall. Very positive. Yes. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. If you have a website, what purpose does it serve? It could be driving people to your products, collecting sales leads for your company, or providing customer service with a contact form. When these critical transactions fail, you're losing out on business, not to mention your users are having a bad experience. But there's a solution. Transaction monitoring from Pingdom. Starting at just $10 a month, transaction monitoring runs checks 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and will alert you when cart checkout forms or login pages fail before they affect your customers and your business. Pingdom will notify you the moment there's a failure via SMS or email or even your favorite teamwork apps like Slack or PagerDuty. Pingdom will notify you the moment there's a failure over SMS, email, or in your favorite apps like Slack, OpsGenie, and PagerDuty. Depending on what's being monitored or the severity of the outage, you can customize who's alerted and how they get that notification. Don't let your users discover a problem with your website. You should be the first to know. And it's super easy to get started. Just go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to buy, use code CONNECTED at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of the show and RelayFM. So there have been some rumors that the iPod Touch may be like a phoenix from the flames Mm. coming back this fall to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the iPod. So this is something that Steve Moser of Mac Rumors has been referencing on Twitter with some renders of what a device like this could look like. Basically a very modern looking iPod touch styled in the iPhone fashion. I would imagine very thin, nice with some colors and a like a screen on the front. I don't know whether it would be OLED or LCD, but like a but you know edge to edge screen that kind of thing. So this is going around, uh, and this sent you on a little bit of a uh, vision quest. Yeah, so I was thinking uh, about Apple Music's uh, upcoming lossless and high res lossless support. So. Right now, Apple hasn't, uh, of course, rolled out the, those um, audio quality options yet. But I was thinking, like in the future, when I'm going to be listening to, to like when, when I'm going to be testing Apple Music's lossless support, there will come a point where I will have to choose between, you know, uh, lossless and high-res lossless. And obviously, Apple says if you want to use high-res lossless, you got to plug in an external USB DAC and, and drive your headphones or other equipment with that. And so I was thinking about this, like, how is it going to work in practice that every time I want to switch between tiers, I just have to, like, between um, audio settings, I need to manually go to settings, music, audio quality, and adjust it 
every single time. Apple made no mention of like automatically switching your audio quality when it detects right that a specific device has been plugged in. So I assume that is how it's going to work. And I thought, man, that's going to be annoying. Like every time I need to go in there and make sure that I'm picking the right setting. And so I thought, well, you know me, I thought, what if I had like a dedicated iOS device that was permanently set to high-res lossless, like the highest possible setting, so that every time I plugged in my USB DAC, it would always be set like that to high-res lossless. And I thought, well, I can probably use like a spare iPhone for that, that is only set up for music and that is always set to the correct option. And then a light bulb went off in my brain. It's like, wait a second, what if I've seen these rumors of the iPod Touch? What if the iPod Touch is coming back as the ultimate music device? Mm. And I sent you guys a message uh, and with this theory and we, we decided to talk about it. But basically, my thinking would be, and this is totally like speculation and, and theory, sort of like what if. And my what if in this case is, what if Apple is bringing indeed you know, back the iPod Touch back uh, because the iPod Touch has been uh, the iPod uh, turning twenty this year has always been the device for music lovers, right? And then it became. I mean, the iPod Touch became a device for children. I think right it became a games device, right? And, and I think the key was like my first iPhone was the idea, right? But, but yeah, I, I, I like the the iPod's heritage yeah. is music. Right. It's always, it's music. And Apple likes to say music is in our DNA and we love music, you know, all those things. But the iPod iPod Touch, like you said, along the way sort of lost its soul as an iPod and became the cheaper iOS device that you just give to a kid to play, Mm -hmm. you know, games. But kids, I like these days. It's easier to have like older iPhones or just older iPads that are sticking around for a long time and give those to a kid. So why bring back the iPod Touch now? Sure, the boring explanation could be Apple just figured they wanted to update the iPod Touch to provide customers with a cheaper, you know, po- you know, sort of point of entry into the iOS ecosystem. And sure. I can get behind that, but I think my theory is more exciting. <laughs> what if, like, basically what I'm saying is nobody cares about the iPod Touch anymore, as it is, but what if it came back with a new sort of music focus? Apple is obviously running into limitations right now when it comes to the DAC that is built into its lightning connector, right? That is preventing high res playback directly on iOS devices. But what if the iPod Touch came back as an iPod for music lovers again? And what if it supported high-res lossless natively, had a powerful DAC built into it, and it had a reason to exist again? Hey, Federico. Yeah. What about a headphone jack? That could work. Right. Do you think they would do that? If you were to brand an iPod as the ultimate device for music again... Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you do it? Feels like you kind of got it, right? I could even make the case for this iPod having USB-C instead of Lightning. Mm. Because it's easier to connect to external equipment. Mm -hmm. Right? And you could do the headphone jack. And it would fit, like, 
they uh, i don't think people will say oh look at apple after johnny ive they're also bringing back the headphone jack no it's not an if iphone this is a, it's not an iphone if this is a music device then it makes sense to offer as many options as possible for you know music lovers for mm-hmm. people who are really into music who want to you know it, it, it could be i don't know that it's a niche but it, you know globally any niche can be big enough <laughs> and it becomes a way to sell more apple music subscriptions of course it could be something that only apple can do y- you see these external like i just bought a new usb DAC, and it's from some chinese company and it's beautiful and it it's totally like it does what it needs to do i love the way it sounds but it's the opposite of a pleasant customer experience. <laughs> it's not very uh, welcoming or usable. No, right? no. It's, you got this instruction manual that is in Chinese and in English with a lot of typos. And it's like, there's a lot of these devices that you can buy. But I could see the iPod, you know, an iPod with USB-C that had plenty of internal storage, maybe even an, 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 um, a headphone jack. That could be an exciting device. For music people, I know I would get one in like three seconds. <laughs> and I don't know. Maybe, again, the reality is a lot more boring. Maybe it's just, oh, hey, we forgot about the iPod Touch. I guess it's time for an update again. And maybe it's just that. But on the 20th anniversary, I mean, come on. Do the, do the nice and exciting and bold move, right? I would never even entertain this thought if Apple Music Lossless didn't exist, right? Where, like, they're going to have this... Some parts of it, like, that these devices may never... Like, the iPhone may never support the lossless at the full quality, right? And and isn't it weird that Apple is saying, oh, but for this brand new feature of our totally awesome service Apple Music, you need an external USB DAC? I don't know. It just... There's something off about that i don't know what i think about this but i don't feel like i would rule out the possibility of it being more music focused right because of this i think it could make a lot of sense i i don't know who they're selling it to like is it just to, to audio files or like who, who is the market for this product like does the market maybe not exist yet but would maybe exist if apple put together the right product Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, would this run iOS and take sure. advantage of apps and all that kind of stuff? You sure, think? sure. I think so. I think so. Um, I think it would just be again. It, nothing would change in terms of like it wouldn't be a separate OS or anything. It would be an iOS device, just with different capabilities from an iPhone when it came to high resolution music. There's plenty of look. the The world is full of companies making external USB DAC devices. Some of them are really beautiful. Some of them have, have these wild sort of alien designs that, like, yeah, you know, th- sometimes these devices are kind of like the modern Wi-Fi routers. They have all kinds of shapes and, like, oh, it looks uh, it's triangular shaped because it looks, you know. It looks powerful. It looks like a spaceship. Those types of... You know what I mean, you know? Looks like a flying spider type deal. I feel like Apple could make a, could make a real more approachable solution for Apple Music. I'm not specifically talking about like Apple is making an external USB DAC that you can use with all kinds of equipment. You got to realize 
it's still Apple, they need to sell more Apple devices and service subscriptions. So this would just be for Apple Music. That's the kind of product that I'm imagining. But I feel like an iPod Touch with USB-C, a headphone jack, and high-res lossless playback natively, it would be a real compelling product. They're going to capture a market with it, and that market yeah. might be more than the people currently buying iPod Touches. It's exciting to think about it. It'll likely never happen, just like the iPad mini. <laughs> but if it does, you heard it here first. Sure. Right? Yeah. If it does, it's a, I want a royalty. You're a digital prophet. Yes. I'm going to go with that. This episode of Connected is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Out in the real world, if you're looking for privacy, you can just close a door. But online, we leave doors open everywhere we go. Using the internet with ExpressVPN is like never closing the door behind you. Your ISP, Comcast, Verizon, whoever, knows every single website you visit. And if they want to, they can sell this information to ad companies and other tech giants. ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone. I've been using ExpressVPN for years. It gives me peace of mind that what I do on the internet is private, and it works fantastically. It's super fast. It doesn't slow you down, and it's really easy to get started with it. It runs on phones and laptops, even routers. And the best part is ExpressVPN is as easy as closing that door we keep referencing because you just fire up the app, click one button, and you're protected. And ExpressVPN is the world's number one rated VPN by CNET, Wired, The Verge, and countless others. So if you're like me and think your online activity is your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com connected today. Go to expressvpn.com connected and you can get an extra three months for free at expressvpn.com connected. This may be, Federico, our last one feature each. I mean, it depends on how long the Rickies take next week. This is our recurring segment where we pick a feature that we'd like mm. to see added to one of Apple's platforms at WWDC. So this will either be the last round of one feature each, or we might do it next week, because then after that, well, we know everything that's going to be added to Apple's platforms at WWDC, because WWDC will have happened. So would you like to kick off with your one feature that you would like to see added to a platform for WWDC? I'm going big. I'm going bold. Is this a Ricky? I'm going for the unexpected. Yes, yeah, a Ricky. Ricky one. Okay. I'm going to say I want to see a menu bar on the iPad. I want to see a menu bar for iPad OS. Is this just you talking about shelves again? No. Okay. No. <laughs> In fact, it is but, not mentioned. But now you say that. <laughs> no, not, no, 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 no. I kind of moved on from that. I feel like I've, I'm now not missing the shelf anymore right like i feel like i finally accepted our breakup you know sort of like the meme friendship ended with shelf now menu bar is my best friend <laughs> uh, so i i was thinking about this like uh i remember a couple of years ago um Vidit, the designer of the excellent dictionary app um, mm -hmm. Lookup for Apple platforms. Um, Vidit put together this concept of a menu bar on iPadOS. And the idea was of this menu bar that, you know, it's a menu bar. Like on, on the Mac, it had a, a different menu options like um, file, edit, view, window. 
that sort of idea, but reimagined for iPadOS, obviously. And you know me, this is the kind of thing that I like to see, like taking an existing idea and sort of remixing it for the modern OS. I started thinking about this concept again. And by the way, sort of a parenthesis, if you, can rem if you remember a tweet by someone, but it's an old tweet, there's a really easy way to find it in the official Twitter app because you have access to historical search. You can do from colon uh, iMic, for example, mm -hmm. and then you just type in whatever you remember, like a keyword that you remember. Yeah. And it shows you all the tweets that that person specifically sent containing that keyword. So you would just type in menu and probably come up, right? I did from colon viditb, which is uh, the username, iPad menu bar, and I found the tweet. Pro tip, teach you tip. Yes. So I was thinking that one of the biggest issues on, on iPadOS, and especially for, for pro apps, is making all of their features discoverable enough. Mm -hmm. this, is a, this is a problem that Apple itself uh, is facing a, a lot of the time. Like, how do you expose all these powerful functionalities that, that an app has? Especially if you're talking about a pro app, such as, you know, for example, LumaFusion, right? All these menus and, and nested menus and additional options that you can have. And so in iPadOS 14, developers, they have some tools that they can use. There's pull-down menus, which will be the menus that you get when you right-click on a certain button in the title bar. You can do sidebars, of course. You can have a sidebar. You can have multiple columns. But it feels like when it comes to menus, when it comes to presenting options that can go multiple levels deep, that becomes a challenge on iPadOS. And it's it's... It's difficult to achieve that sort of complex presentation of options. And so a lot of developers, what they do, they just implement their own menus, right? And so you get these pro apps, and each of them has its own custom take on this. LumaFusion looks a certain way, Adobe's apps look a certain way, yep. and so forth. On the other end of the spectrum, you have keyboard shortcuts, right? Sure, those are possible on iPad, right? They have been for a long time. And there's even a way to discover them. Right, you just hold down on the command key, and you get the little uh, cheat sheet in the middle of the screen. But have you seen what happens to that pop-up when you have a lot of commands? It paginates across multiple pages. Yeah, it's it's upsetting. <laughs> it's upsetting, and you get apps. You get apps like MindNode or OmniFocus, for example, and you hold down command, and it's like you you're finding yourself having to scroll across five or six pages of these keyboard commands and none of them are grouped none of them are contextual for the thing you're doing it's all very confusing it's like wait what what am i looking at here mm -hmm. so i was thinking about this and 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 i realized you know what apple actually fixed this decades ago on the mac with the menu bar right it was a, it was a consistent location on screen that allowed you to put together to group commands based on the category of the command, those commands could be used both via touch and via keyboard shortcuts, because when you go over an option in the menu bar on the Mac, you can see the associated keyboard shortcut, and that feels like a great fit for the iPad, right? You can use something via touch or via the keyboard. Yeah, it's a really so nice way to learn. You know, I, I've exactly. always really enjoyed the 
help. You know, you go to help and just type search and you just try and find the command and then it shows you where it is. It highlights it where it is in the menu bar and then a lot of the time it will have the keyboard command. It's like, great, now I know how to do this forever. It's mm -hmm. a really just a fantastic feature on macOS. Yep. And so I started thinking, what if the menu bar was reimagined for iPadOS? And what if it became a UI element that maybe you only see when you're using the pointer or uh, maybe not? I, I don't know about that, but what if you had this menu at the top of the screen that allowed you to see all of the supported commands when you're working on an iPad? Maybe, and again, in, you know, the idea of rethinking an old idea for the modern reality of iPadOS. What if this menu bar was also how you could discover custom shortcuts that you made in the shortcuts mm. app? Why, yeah. why do we have to run every shortcut from the share sheet oh, imagine all like the time? A persistent, like one of the options in the menu bar just saying shortcuts and you can click it and you can... No, but what if it's oh. just a shortcut? What if the menu bar is actually like a new extension type? in the shortcuts app and you say make this shortcut available in the menu bar and you see that right away you don't have to go through picking the shortcuts and all of that like, you just like, see it you know one of the ones that i use a lot is to uh take a pdf and save it to a folder in dropbox which gets pulled into the app that i use for expenses and receipt tracking yeah imagine if i could adapt that to be like take what you currently see, turn that into a PDF. Oh, man, that'd be so great. Oh, my yeah. God, if I could just do that anywhere on the system, I'd be so happy. And and what if, like, the menu bar could be used somehow to help when it comes to slide over, for example, right? You have all these extra utilities that you can shove on the side, but the gesture to activate those is kind of weird. What if you could activate slide over apps with, a, with an indicator, from the menu bar. And I'm going to go even bolder. What if slide over apps were the new menu bar apps? So you could tap a little thing and bring down basically an iPhone view. Yeah. When you think about it, a menu bar app on the Mac is kind of like a slide over app. It's this tiny window, mm -hmm. right? That appears. And we do have tiny windows on iPad. They're called slide over apps. Basically the same idea. And the last thing would be you know, on Big Sur, we've seen this new control center that um, supports multiple accessories, of course, and those can be sort of taken out of control center and made available in the main menu bar. And that control center on the Mac is obviously very much touch-friendly on Big Sur, the way that it's laid out and designed. Mm -hmm. What if the same could be done on iPad where... Showing control center on iPad is really weird. It's barely acceptable on iPhone where you have to swipe down from the right side of the notch. But on iPad, it just doesn't make sense. You're swiping on a non-specific you know, non area of the screen, just along the top right corner. Sure, okay. But what if control center was actually always accessible from the menu bar? I don't know. I feel like there's a quality to the idea of a menu bar that even though it's an old idea, I think... There's something inherently good about it. And maybe it's one of those ideas like a pointer, right? That can be reimagined for 2021 and iPads. So that would be my wish. I'm into it. Mm -hmm. I'm into it. I love it. I mean, this is again... Yeah, like, look, I want... 
we're both asking for this now. The time has, has passed. We've gotten to where we are. iPadOS needs to get closer to macOS. It just does now. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to copy it, but you sure have to take inspiration from it and push the operating system. I don't want and you don't want the iPad to look like the Mac. No. What we want is exactly what you we mentioned earlier that you said on App Stories. Take these conventions yes. and make new versions of them that yes. fit this these platform. Are conventions is a great word. These are conventions. There are some ideas that even if they were first you know, designed in 1994, if it's still good, it's good. Like, you know, a power button on a TV remote. So if you can do that on a TV remote, why can you not do that on iPadOS? Mm-hmm. And you know? it's also worth just saying, like for the record, the Mac is not the only platform that even Apple's made that has come up with these great conventions and then no. found their way into other places. You know, I'm thinking of stuff like natural and inertial scrolling, right? Found its way in the iPhone first and has moved across all different types of things. Because you know what? It just feels really nice. It's like just a nice way to work. So these things have, have stretched out over time to different um different platforms that maybe isn't the best example but is an example just something they just they 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 stretch out right my feature that i would like is shortcuts on the mac yes okay so this has been something i've been sorely missing when using the mac more because there are some simple actions that would be so much faster for me to perform if i had access to shortcuts even in like a little widget than i do trying to do access things otherwise so like setting timers in timery you know like i have these little actions that set a timer and open a couple of documents and it's so fast and easy on my mac but on on my ipad and on my iphone but on the mac it's like seven clicks that i have to do right mm. um, or things like HomeKit related actions HomeKit on the mac and HomeKit in general is like the home app is slow but shortcuts, if you make some shortcuts for them, it's really fast. Like, and things just happen. Like, there are a lot of little shortcuts that I run all the time that I'm super used to that I don't have access to at the Mac. There are tools like Keyboard Maestro, Better Touch Tool, even Apple Script, Automator, all of these things that exist that I could learn. But you know what? They're all way more complicated and clunky. Yep. Yep. Then shortcuts is. I have already put the time into learning how to use shortcuts and I've understood it and I can get it to do things. And I think in a shortcuts way of doing things, I'm comfortable with it. Apple makes it. I would like them to put it on their other platform. You know, like it's not like I'm asking for shortcuts on Windows, right? Like I, <laughs> I want shortcuts on the Mac. I don't want to have to learn a new way of doing things. Like I've tried very cursory like to do things with keyboard maestro and it's like oh yeah i mean this will work but like don't move that window at all or it's not going to work anymore because you're like simulating where is a click happening and i'm like oh no i don't like this but shortcuts would do these things for me easily because it's all built into the system and it's just behind the scenes the system is just poking in to the you know like that like it's the, the app and the system talking to each other and so like i can do this thing so you're able to take this thing and do something with it without me being the app that's open. Like that kind of exchange, that's what I want. I feel like shortcuts is very clearly Apple's new way of allowing users to make their devices do things for them. It's very user-friendly. And I think Mac users should also have access to these tools, especially as things like Catalyst and all that continues to become a thing. 
I want to see this. And because again, that will also be, if, even if it's just Catalyst and, and Swift UI apps only or whatever, I wouldn't want it to be that, but just, just imagine it's that. It would maybe be another thing to push people towards that style of development, which Apple, I think, would clearly prefer people to be looking at their future tools. Like, I, I really want to see shortcuts for the Mac. Um, and I hope that this is the year that they do it. Yeah, I really hope you're right. This episode connected is brought to you by Top Four from Relay FM. This show is so much fun. It's hosted by Tiff and Marco Arment. They make top four lists out of anything. If you just look through their archives on the website, some really wild stuff. Instant coffee, card games, TV couples, Pop-Tarts. There's really nothing off limits. It is delightful and infuriating all at once. So indulge in the randomness and listen for yourself at relay.fm slash top four or search for top four wherever you get your podcast. So that's that. Next week... We're going to be doing the Rickies. Stephen will be back and we'll be locked in competition and challenge. And we'll, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe maybe we'll crown a new winner or a continued winner the week after we're in WWDC. We'll find out. Mm. Uh, if you would like to find links and information about this episode, you go to relay.fm slash connected slash 347 or you can find them in your podcast app of choice. Uh, I would like to thank Memberfall and Pingdom and ExpressVPN for the support of this episode. And I'd also like to thank everybody who supports us with Connected Pro. If you would like uh, longer ad-free episodes of Connected every single week, just go to getconnectedpro.co and sign up. And thank you so much to everybody that has. If you'd like to find Federico online, you can go to maxstories.net, and he is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and Stephen is at ISMH. And you can find Stephen at 5tailpixels.net. Federico, I have a question for you. Oh, okay. What is your favorite kind of beverage? Huh. So by beverage, you mean water, right? No. Or or no. So not water. I mean, water. it can be water if water is your favorite beverage. Oh, well, it's my most consumed mm-hmm. beverage. But is it your um, favorite? Tough choice. I mean, water um, would be super boring. This would not be a good first date if he's like, hey, so what's your favorite drink? Water. Oh, we're gonna have a good time. So you you're thinking like drink like that's the question, right? What's your favorite drink? Yeah, it could be alcohol, could be not alcohol, it could be anything. Uh, how am I supposed to choose? I like don't I, know. I, my top five, I could put water, coffee, orange juice, wine, and some kind of like cocktail, for example. Do you have a favorite wine? Uh, Chardonnay. Ooh, look at you now. What about your favorite cocktail? <sighs> I'm I'm sorry, but I I'm stuck at in my cocktail tastes at like teenager cocktails. <laughs> okay, I really like a Long Island iced tea. Long Island iced tea. I mean, they are nice, but it's like I am 19 years old. I'm going out. Yes. I want the alcoholic drink that has all of the alcohol in it, please. Thank you very much, yes. Barkeep. Long Island iced tea for me. Or well, let me try and be a little more mature. A mojito. Oh, yeah, that's that's better. Yeah, that's well, not better. It is definitely it is different. It is better. I mean, I don't want to say like if you're a Long Island iced tea person, you go for it. Like you love your Long Island iced teas, but you, you could maybe say that a mojito is something you would get is more of a refined taste. I think you could you got to be yeah, it's a little yeah. more you know. Yeah. Refi- yes, refined maybe. Uh, I would say so. Alcoholic drinks, yes, a mojito. Most Mojitos likely. are very nice. 
Uh, yeah. All right. But also, I'm a, like I'm a wine person, so. Yeah, you mean you are Italian, so. Yeah, yeah. Good question, though. I, I cannot pick a single That's one. That's the fun of it. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Connected. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. Cheerio.